space. Reality. It's more than a linear path. It's a prism of endless possibility. Where a single choice can branch out into infinite realities. Creating alternate worlds from the ones you know. I am the Watcher. I am your guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question. What if? Yo, welcome back to Uncultured Bias. I'm your host, Kamara Williams. I had started off a little bit differently how I do it. Uh, just dropped a clip and went into the song, transitioned it. Um, if you couldn't figure out, we're going to do something a little bit, uh, you know, ethereal, like, um, you know, just really pontificating on this episode. And I want to start off with what if. Um, you'll figure it out if you haven't figured it out already. But before we get into that, um, I do want to say thank you for everybody who's listened to this podcast. Um, it's been a great journey and I am so encouraged. Um, it's one of those things where I am so appreciative of just the support. Um, it's been, it's a beautiful moment. So if we're going to go into this whole pontification about life and the journey and everything like that, and what if I do want to start off by telling everybody, um, big ups and thank you for everybody. Um, so I started off with PM Dawn, man, because when I was, uh, when that song drops, one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite tracks, and uh, you know, hip hop is an amazing thing because it 
uh, had so many different avenues, especially growing up, that we could um, tap into. Whether it's De La Soul, I went, I was listening from De La Soul, PM Don, all the way to obviously MWA and whatnot. And I had such a varied um, instinct for music, and it allowed it. Now nowadays, it's kind of f- hard to find that same varied interest. A lot of the songs sound the same. A lot of the artists sound the same. A lot of the same cadence, but. Um, you know, I was able to go into different pockets of the culture. And with that, um, with this song, it always made me, you know, just uh, contemplative and thinking about it. And I, the sound and, and the tonal uh, inflection of the artist, um, it was just something that it really resonated. And I would find myself in my room uh, listening to this song, listening to PM Don or just any artist of that same ilk. And just wondering about life and like different scenarios. And I felt like that was the best way to kind of lead into this what if podcast. Because, you know, our life is really operating just linear focus. But um, a lot of things can change based off a singular decision. And if you're familiar with the Disney series in which I played that initial clip, um, they actually base a lot of the scenario off of what if what if something happened, it would have changed the timeline entirely on something. A small little uh, twist in a feature of your life would have changed it. And I thought, well, what if we do something in that same vein, but we talk about it in the political and social political um, sphere. Um, I think that would be a pretty dope podcast. The last few podcasts we've had pretty, we were like kind of editorial um, going into just what was happening around the world. And I just wanted to do a sort of, just a palate cleanser in a different way um, and still have a great conversation that is not so much topic based, but just conversational. Um, but before we get into that, um, I want to say thank you guys again for listening to podcasts. If you are on Apple, uh, please rate the episode. A five star rating would be so much inclined. And when you rate that episode, also leave a remark. Um, I really do appreciate the remarks that were um, given um, on that uh, podcast and one of them I'm going to actually highlight uh, was uh, from a lady named Nate, Lady Naj. Uh, her name is Naja. She's a great photographer in Central Florida. But she says, "In my very busy life, I always find time to listen to Uncultured Bias podcasts. I used to make excuses. Oh, if I didn't. Oh, if I didn't tune into this time because I have to do this and that. And once I made the habit of fitting Uncultured Bias in my schedule, I always finished with the sense of being whole." You know how it feels on a Sunday morning when you may not want to get up and go to church, but once you leave, you're glad you went and went out and came up with the feeling of empowerment. Well, that's the feeling I get when I listen to Uncultured Bias. Thank you, Kamara, for providing such a high-level dialogue coupled with scientific evidence, unpopular perspectives, and confidence-building discussions. And, co- and confidence-building discussions. These podcasts never disappoint. Um, that was a great rating, and um, I just really do appreciate... Uh, you know, just the love. And so if you guys can do that, please continue to do that. Um, you know, obviously share with your friends. Uh, we always say that sharing is caring. If you listen on Spotify um, or Apple, you know, and just, you know, remember that these podcasts are organically led discussions, but in order to really continue to grow the platform, we need to continue to grow the audience. All right. Th- shout out to our sponsors this week. Um, of Compass Tax Advisors. If you're interested in starting a business and need to know the difference between an LLC, S-Corp, or understand tax consequences, uh, please contact Compass Tax Advisors. Um, They have a course that gives you the ins and outs of forming a business and tax strategy tips. Um, You can reach them online at mycompasstax.com or call them 850-273-7193. 
All right. If you are in the market for real estate, uh, contact Keystone Global Real Estate at 407-680-8510 or www.keystoneglobalrealestate.com. And of course, if you are in the market for a probate uh, attorney, wills, trust, you know, or just even a, a business, whatnot, business attorney, obviously contact us at Smith & Williams Trial Group, um, 888-SWTG-LAW or 888-798-4529. Or you can reach me at cwilliams at swtglaw.com or obviously you can hit us at swtglaw.com. All right, brilliant. So we got all that out. Um, we're going to bring in our guest that I always have these interesting uh, conversations with. And that's my man, Lyndon. What's up, dude? Hey, what's going on? Come on. Yeah. You're actually in a new location. Yeah, yeah, we just start. We this is the first time in a new location, so um, the office is dope. Um, if you haven't had a chance to come by and check out um, the Smith Williams Law Firm down on West Colonial um, in Tampa, definitely do that. They have a beautiful space. Not in Tampa, off well, of Tampa. Well, yeah, off Tampa. My bad. <laughs> We're in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, West Colonial in uh, Tampa. Um, in Orlando, um, but beautiful space, man. Congratulations. Appreciate it, man. Much love, much love. Um, so I saw you vibe and listen to PM Don. Were you a big PM Don fan? I, I wouldn't say a big PM Don fan, but I just, you know, I liked really good hip hop. I was like you. I mean, growing up in Orlando, Central Florida, I, I listened to like 69 Boys and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Uncle Luke. But um, I remember when I used to do like Taekwondo, um, one of the, the instructors, he always used to play um, like PM Dawn and um, uh, Eric B and Rakim yeah, and, yeah. and Wu Tang, and so that's how I really got introduced to um, you know hip hop from um, New York, and you know it, it just those those joints hit me really hard now because it really gives me something listening to. Yeah, you know, um, did you find yourself always when you listen to like music like that, like mm -hmm. I call it alternative hip hop? Yeah. Um, did you find yourself in a different space spiritually sometimes? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because I would say like my alternative hip hop was outcast. Mm. Right. And like, I remember when AT aliens dropped like that, that was like a game changer for me because I mean, they were talking about like comics and um, like aliens and, you know, just they were mixing and overlaying real life with, all of these, you know, really thoughtful, um, but spacey concepts that, you know, I could, you know, I could kind of relate to. Um, and um, it, yeah, it definitely put me in a different headspace. And that's why I loved like diving into, you know, the outcasts of the world and um, PM Dawn, you know, a little bit later on. And yeah, um, yeah. but I love that music. I love that music. Yeah, man. Outcast is dope. Um, is dope. Um, because as, listening to I'm at the time I was in California. I grew yeah. li lived in Brooklyn for a little bit. Then my family um, moved out to California mm -hmm. and um, it was actually the introduction for me for Atlanta hip hop. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can say that mm -hmm. you know, wholeheartedly. It was my introduction to Atlanta hip hop. And then I started getting into the dungeon family yep. and all that other um, stuff. And so, but uh, I felt like outcast. Uh, really took off with AT Aliens, right? Yeah. So um, they had this, they came out with uh, a Sported Catalyst, Southern Playlistic, Cadillac Funky Music, yeah. you know, and then it's like they changed the style in AT Aliens, yeah. you know, and went into this whole like different vibe, yeah. you know, and it was just like, um, 
I think that's the, and then that when they realize like, oh, that hits the, the yeah. right way, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, that's when they decided to like, like kind of like fully focus in, especially mm-hmm. Andre 2000. Right. Yeah. So like Andre really just kind of like um, started getting out there, you know, and mm-hmm. um, start not getting out there in a bad way. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like really trying to like figure out his sound. And I think like for me personally, he was. I guess he was the soul of the group. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to Outkast, they provided a really, really solid yin and yang, right? Mm-hmm. So um, Big Boy, you know, shout out to him. I think he is the most underrated um, rapper mm-hmm. in a rap duo yeah. um, in in all of hip hop because um, he is, I think, the he he's what makes the group relatable yeah. to a lot of their listeners. Yeah. But... Dre is really kind of the the one that's going to make you think about something, right? Yeah. And um you know, they they just they they provide that really great yin and yang where okay, like now I have something to think about. Okay, but now like Big Boy has brought it back down to to earth, right? Mm-hmm. And so I can be both um, you know, in ATL and I can be an alien at the same time, right? Right. And um we can just talk about what it means to be different. And and I really think like that's that's everything that Outcast is, is you know, what does it mean to be different? And, you know, to a to a lesser extent, Goody Mob, but but still them too. Um they that whole sound was about being different and embracing your difference. I mean it being an outcast. So they're they're um their album and I know this is not the direction we were talking about, sure. but you know, I, I love talking hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, the album, I think that really sh- struck a chord and that kind of shook the industry mm-hmm. was Equimini. Yeah. And I remember this it's distinctively because I, it was the first Southern hip hop album to get five mics, mm-hmm. the distinguished five mics yeah. from the source magazine. Mm-hmm. And I remember there were people like, it's not a five. What, you know, cause mm-hmm. b- back in the day, um, the source was a culture, right. Um, was was the culture and it was the um the tastemaker for hip hop, mm-hmm. and so when you got a five mic rating, yeah, like that was like you know unheard of, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and so you got four and a half, four, but equipment. I got five mics, and I know those for people who, yeah, they listen to hip hop and they like they liked this group out of Atlanta. You yeah. know, they had a nice song, you mm-hmm. know, you know, AT Aliens. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, nice album. But when they dropped equipment, people were like, what the fuck? Like yeah. who? Who who is, who is the group it? that's getting yeah. a five mic? Yeah, you know, uh, um, rating, and uh, I think that was kind of controversial at the time. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, and um, but then that's when people really started buying into that. Yeah, like to to outcast, and so um, these these cats could really rap. I mean, you know, one of my um, one of my favorite songs um from Aquim and I was Skew It on the Barbie. Yeah, and. You know, Big Boy has this line at the end. He says, um, I got to hit the source. I need another half a mic because that Southern playlistic was a <laughs> Cadillac music was a classic. Right? right. So when he's talking about like, yo, they've they've been snapping this whole time. Yeah. Um, Outcast had, had had been snapping for so long. And um, it, it's funny because even like Atlanta at that time, you got to think about it. Like they had TLC coming out of there. You had Babyface. You had yeah. um, Escape. So Atlanta had you know, was really on the, the cusp. And, and I think that because New York at that time, I still, think, still had a hold on the, yeah, the, like the, the, it was the golden, golden age of hip hop. And yeah. so people weren't giving, um, outcast the credit that they deserved. And yeah. so, yeah, man, um, you know, shout out to, to, to big boy and Trey, man, because they, they changed the game and they made being an outcast something that was acceptable. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, like they, I mean, they were they were outcasts. I mean, they lived their name. Yeah, and, and you know, and then it, it, Andre three thousand at that point, he had just started to get into the different cl- type of clothing and yeah, um, and you know. It was a kind of it was foreign to people in New York and in California. They were like, "What is this?" Yeah, you know, like this is not what we're used to. And but it, you know, hey, listen, um, I appreciated it, and it also in the same vein, it it ties in, although it doesn't seem like it ties in. It ties into just the conversation of just what you know, having that different perspective on the world and the perspective on the life. And so I really wanted to start it like just thinking about an event that may have changed um, American history world mm-hmm. history um it was in same time around the same time and uh the 2000 election mm-hmm. and um a senator vice president of the united states he was he was he was a u.s senator in tennessee mm-hmm. and then he became a vice president under the previous administration mm-hmm. he ran for president and um his name is al gore mm-hmm and he always credits himself for starting the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he actually uh, got into a tussle with a governor out of Texas mm-hmm. by the name of George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. W. W. And um, his election became controversial because it things all the hanging chads and mm-hmm. whatnot. <laughs> and then we and it came down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Rustert, when he was on Meet the Press, circled Florida, and uh, that you know famous uh, TV moment. He circled Florida and said, "It's always it comes down to Florida. Everything's coming down to Florida." Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, it was true, and it came down to a county in Florida, um, in uh, Broward County. Mm-hmm. And ideally, this presidency was won by sixty-one thousand votes. Yeah. Um, he still didn't. He won the state, but he didn't win the general election. Mm-hmm. When you say he. You're talking about, about Bush. Yeah. Um, and I still remember watching that. And I remember before the votes were even counted, um, the current governor, Jeb, mm-hmm. said, yeah, my my brother won the state of Florida. And it was kind of like, how did you know he won the state of Florida without the votes being counted? Right. Yeah. So it's still some cloudiness. People still like look at it like whatever happened, what happened in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, you know, Supreme Court case and, you know, out. Um, Al Gore, um, he succeed, He said, you know what, in December that year, he said, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and do the right thing yeah. and step down from trying to um, push for this presidency. Mm-hmm. But that decision yeah. ended up changing America because a year later. Less than a year later. Less than a year later, yeah. Less than a year later, um, in September of 2001, yeah. uh, the Towers and the Pentagon um, were hit by terrorist attacks. Yeah, the country. The country yeah. was hit. And, you know, that moment changed America. It changed airports. Right. Like, it's it, weird. It, like, it, when you think back. It, like, changed, it changed the entire world. It changed the entire world. It changed that, that one election had consequences for the, in, the trajectory of everything. I, everything in our world. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a, a few votes in... Um, Broward County yeah. changed the trajectory of the world as we know it. We don't travel the same. Yeah. Nothing nothing is the same yeah. because of that election. That, that one election. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's crazy to think. I mean, the way that we traveled was totally different. Totally different. You know? Yeah. Um United States, we weren't in we weren't in any significant engagements 
around the globe. Yeah. At that time. At that time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last one was in Kuwait. Uh, that was in Kuwait, like 92, 92, 93. Yeah. 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 And so, but yeah, we were not engaged in any real operations right around the world. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you think about what if yeah. Al Gore would have been president, man, what? So like, what do you, let's talk about that. Like, what yeah. do you think would have happened if Al Gore and we can, we're going to talk about some other what if scenarios. Yeah. But like, what if the so starting off with what if Al Gore had won? So I think the first thing is, um, if Al Gore had won president, I think that there would have been a continuity um, in the leadership and the trajectory of the country, right? So at that time, I think the United States was, um, you know, going into or continuing a period of stability from an economic standpoint. I think yeah. we had balanced budgets and um, I think we even had a, a budget surplus a couple years. And yeah. so I would have expected that to, to have continued. Um, I think the biggest thing probably would have been the competency of leadership. Mm-hmm. And so I think economies do well and um, societies do well when there's competence in leadership and you can expect a particular outcome. Right. Mm-hmm. And so with, Al Gore, I think you would have had more competent leadership. And because of that, you know, the warning signs that had been ignored. um, Yeah, ignored by the Bush administration, but really had been sounding um, during um, Clinton's last years of the Clinton administration. um, He would not, he would, uh, Al Gore would have addressed those, right? So President Gore would have um, tried to um, quash you know, the uh, unrest with Al Qaeda um, throughout the Middle East. I think that he would not have been um, as hasty in, you know, if 9-11 had happened, um, then I don't think that Al Gore would have been, I think he would have been more thoughtful when it came to the response, you know, in the Middle East, right? So involving ourselves in the Middle East. Right. You know, it's a decision that we're still literally because I just had a podcast about it still dealing with it today. We're we're still, you know, we're 21 years later. Yeah. Still in Afghanistan. You know, we spent billions of dollars in in Iraq, um, a country that didn't attack us. Right. (laughs) You know, um, on uh, September 11th, you know, and I I could be wrong about this, but I think most of the attackers on from Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia. Right. Yeah. Um, Who I think we generally speaking, consider an ally. Um, in, in the Middle East. And so it it was just a really curious response. And I think the majority of Democrats, even at the time supported invading Iraq. A lot of them did. Yeah. Um, there were a few Mm -hmm. that, um, there were a few that, you know, voted Mm -hmm. no on the war. Yeah. And it was a weird time because I remember being in college Mm -hmm. and, um, I just remember when people used to read newspapers, yeah, <laughs> it went from. I just remember re- looking at the headlines. I used to. Re- I was interning at this law firm, mm-hmm. um, clerking, and I used to every day. I used to like read the paper going mm-hmm. in, because um, they used to have a fresh paper. Yeah, and I remember the headlines. It went from war and terror, war and terror, war and terror. Mm-hmm. This then the next line, next, I just instantaneously it went from war and terror to the war in Iraq. Yeah. And I was just like, when did that happen? Yeah. Like, you know, and, but it was like everybody who had get, they, they got sucked into this idea yeah. of the region, mm-hmm. the entire region being at fault right. for these terrorist attacks 
that nobody asked the question like why are we going into Iraq? And then I re- remember, um, you know, Bush was like, oh, you know, WMDs, and, right? You know, and um, you know, it's it, all these things are coming out of. There's going to yeah. be a reason. There's a reason why right. we had to get into. We had to go into Iraq, and mm-hmm. um, we had to get rid of a Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, he. When, I think Bush said he attacked my daddy. Like yeah. he made a yeah. quote like that. Like yeah. you know, like <laughs> he just said these weird things, and it was just like it felt like a lot of unfinished business from Kuwait and well, that, all these things. Oh well, yeah, that that's exactly what it was. I mean, yeah, you know, I think, you know. George W. Bush felt like his father lost in 92 mm-hmm. to Clinton partially because he didn't finish the job. Right. You know, quote unquote. Um, you know, the United States in Desert Storm back in 92 um, expelled um, expelled the Iraq invaders from, you know, our ally Kuwait in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think George Bush wanted to, quote unquote, finish the job by going and ousting Saddam Hussein. But his father um you know very i think intelligently didn't look to change a regime we simply defended our ally in the middle east and and expelled the invaders from kuwait and so that was a good thing you know he he exercised restraint but it i think in the eyes of many um particularly in the republican party um it cost them the 92 election right right and and it gave rise to the Clintons and, you know, as a re- result of that, you know, gave rise to the new Gingrich's of the world. Yeah. I mean, we could probably go back and yeah. say like what happened. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of reason why that, that 92 election, right? Because yeah. Ross Perot yeah. involved yeah. himself mm-hmm. to the point where they became a, this Ross Perot involved himself in that election um, simply out of spite <laughs> for <laughs> the Bushes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there are many who say that if, Including the Bushes, who felt like if Ross Perot didn't involve himself yeah. in that election, Bush would have got a second term. Almost certainly. And so what if Ross Perot didn't involve himself? Like, yeah. a lot of things would have changed, right? Would, yeah. we, would we have a George W. Bush? Because if we would have had two, mm-hmm. a, two, a two-term Bush, yeah. I highly doubt we would have got a, a W. Well, yeah, no, I don't think we would have got a W, but we, we would have had a John Ellis Bush um, in the White House. We would have had Jeb. Mm. Um, I think Jeb would have... Um, most likely been the um not the successor he, yeah. he would not have um immediately followed but i think that he was the one he, he was the one he, yeah. he, he was the, you know he didn't have the charisma yeah. that george w bush had and has yeah but i think that he was the mo- more competent leader and i think that he exuded the characteristics of the father more yeah. than anything else right yeah. and um i think that jeb would have been the bush that would have yeah. the next Bush in the White House, yeah, and not George W. I, I, I actually, yeah, um, I agree with that. So let's go. Let's let's yeah. spiral into it. Like so, let's say so. Al Gore gets in the in the White House. Yeah, we don't go into Iraq. Yeah, we don't have this mess in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. We also probably would have had a president who would have focused highly on climate change. Yeah. Definitely. He would have focused on um, a domestic agenda in a way that would have been, I think, more stabilizing for the country. And I think um, so we would have I think we would have continued the economic growth um, Mm -hmm. that the company, uh, not the company, the country experienced. It's a company, though. Right. Yeah. No, it's a corporation. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah, uh, definitely we, we would have focused on. 
um, intelligent, thoughtful um, responses to climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that the GOP would have um, continued their rise. I think that the, the GOP's rise to power in um, throughout the states and um and when I say the states, I'm talking about the state houses and the government, yeah. governor um, ships. And I think that their rise, um, their continued rise to power throughout Congress, um, U.S. Congress, would have continued even under Democratic leadership yeah. um, in, in the White House. Mm-hmm. So I think that that trend would have continued. Um, there yeah. were, I think there was a lot of underlying um, disgrunt, disgruntled um you know, people who were just upset with the Clintons um, yeah. in general. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I think that that would have those two things probably would have happened. So let's let's walk into that. So then Al Gore gets in, he gets a mm-hmm. a, a, a term of president. Mm-hmm. Um, the Clinton. Hillary Clinton was mm-hmm. this, he was a, a U.S. senator out in New York. Yeah. She probably wouldn't have ran for office. Um, in 2008, you don't think? No, because I, so I think Al Gore would have been a one-term president. Let me tell you, like America, America, we, uh, so he would have been out by 2004. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Okay. I mean, and, and that's why I say, I think but we he, would have had a better sustainable. I think, yes, I think that we would have been in a better place as a country. Yeah. Um, because I think that we were in a solid place as a country, um, when, um, Clinton left office, mm-hmm. right? I think George Bush inherited a strong economy, um, a, a balanced a, budget, a balanced budget. Yeah. Um, you know, and he immediately went about reversing a number of those things, right? We weren't right. engaged in, you know, um, any international conflicts, uh, and so military. Com- he appointed a number of different justices that are still, yeah, on the Supreme Court. Absolutely, you know, he appointed um, a number of different district court judges that are. Finally, but even then, they were they were they've been now replaced by Bonner, um, the previous administration. Mm-hmm. But he he had an aggressive district court appointment schedule. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, even you know, having people like Donald Rumsfeld yeah. as um, defense secretary, right? Yeah. So you he George W. Bush brought back these people who were relics of prior. Um, Republican administrations, right? Mm-hmm. And so they brought back that same agenda, yeah. um, which is which would be expected, right? So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Like I think that Al Gore would have been a one-term president, and then Colin Powell would have been the first black president to be elected um, out of the GOP, and he would have, um, you know, won um, consecutive elections in 2004 and then 2008. Okay. Okay, Run, running, like running away with it. Okay, and honestly, he was a, he was a well regarded. He was highly respected. Yeah, uh, I think he was the right age. He yeah. was was, and I think you know to a certain extent still is beloved by yeah. um, the Republican establishment. The, certain parts of Republicans, certain. Parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain. Yeah, you're right. Um, the the old <laughs> yeah traditional Republican establishment and and you know, the, the, and, and the, some and Black Americans and, and Black Americans, and yeah. so I think he would have run away with it. Um, in 2004, because he would not have had the embarrassment of going in front of the United Nations and saying, right, you know, like, and he would have his his career got entirely damaged oh, from that from the Bush administration. Right. Because he had to go in front of the United Nations and and propagate this lie of the right. WM, WMDs. And it's like he his reputation, he, he threw his reputation, cast it aside right. for this war. Right. 
and 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 you know for for that war for that president i think he you know it it was and i think he's even said it, it was one of the most shameful you know things that he participated in but um politics is a motherfucker it is and <laughs> and but i think that colin powell would have been one of the most beloved politicians mm-hmm. in in american history had al gore won the election in 2000. I don't think that there would be, um, I mean, obviously George W. Bush would, you know, he would exist, but I think that uh, Colin Powell would win back-to-back elections. He was, he would have been the last, before Bush, um, one of the last presidents to have served in the theater of war, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, actually served in the military. Right, because he Uh, he served in uh, Vietnam and, right. Yeah, so, Um, yeah. That's an interesting thought process because then that goes into my next thing. That a senator, well, now at that point, he was trying to be a congressman mm-hmm. out of Chicago. Yeah. Um, he wasn't even a congressman yet. Uh, yeah, yeah, he might not have been. He was yeah. not a congressman yet. Okay. He was a state congressman. Mm-hmm. That's in, right, that's right, yeah. In Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, would not have gotten the same look. So th- the history is this. Uh, this guy out of Chicago, state senator. Funny name. With a funny name, funny, funny sounding first and last name, um, lost his initial bid to, to go to Congress, mm-hmm. and to Bobby Rush, to Bobby Rush, and then he was despondent. Mm-hmm. He was broke, and he actually ended up going to the Democratic convention in Los, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. broke to his point, yeah, sleeping on a friend's floor, <laughs> yeah, and the 2000 election. Mm-hmm. Only to eight years later ascend to the nomination for presidency. Yeah, and in the meantime, in two thousand four, didn't he speak at the DNC? He yeah. spoke at the DNC. Yeah, so he went from not, not even being, not even being admitted into the building, right, to speaking. Yeah, in four years, that's a come up. That's a come up, and so his life and his trajectory mm-hmm. was as the benefit, as a direct benefit. Of the Bush presidency. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not just his there. I mean, there are several Democratic candidates um, and politicians that benefited from the chaos that mm-hmm. occurred during, you know, the um, 43rd presidency, uh, mm-hmm. the Bush administration. Um, I mean, you got to think about it. We we had, you know, the dot com burst. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was in the early 2000s. But then, you know, we had. um we had 9-11. Yeah. You know, then we, after that, you know, we had the, the housing crisis that blew up. In 2007, 2000, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had Hurricane Katrina back in, I think, was that 2005? 2005. Yeah. Um, and and then, like, Wall Street meltdown, right? Yeah. So, like, all of that. In 2010. So, I, I think. In a 10-year span, from 2000 to 2010, we had, America had a lot of cultural defining moments. Right. Yeah. I mean, like. I mean, seriously traumatic, yeah. you know, um, moments. I mean, obviously, I think there would still be a Hurricane Katrina. Like, obviously, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Al Gore would not keep Hurricane Katrina from happening, right? right? But I think that if either Al Gore or Colin Powell mm-hmm. were president, I think the, react, the response would have been different, right? Okay. Um, like, totally different. Okay. And so, so yeah. yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, the... 
black America became so dissuaded um, from the way Bush handled yeah. Katrina, even to a point where an artist out of Chicago yeah. <laughs> got on MTV exactly. with um, uh, uh, during a telethon mm-hmm. and said, I don't like the way they yeah. treating us on television. Yeah. You know and say George yeah. Bush doesn't care about black people, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really funny because, uh, you know, he actually, in a weird way, he became... The voice and frustration of a lot of Black Americans. He did, um, and his career, which is going to be a different podcast altogether, <laughs> yeah. turned out into a different space. Yeah, um, space. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I just I, I I find it fascinating that all these events were interrelated. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you, can, you can't. I don't think that you can divorce the the things that happened during the Bush administration. Yeah. Uh, from the Bush administration, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't think that you can divorce 9-11, um, Katrina, uh, the Katrina response, really, um, mm-hmm. the housing meltdown, you know, like... The housing meltdown was a direct result of the Bush administration right. because it took off a lot of... Deregulation. Uh, deregulation was yeah. a big was a big responder right. to the, um, you know, housing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it precipitated um, these, you know, loans predatory loans to to people that probably should not have been buying these types of houses. And it created an incentive for the secondary market to create these financial products to sell, you know, um, and nobody understood or, or um, knew how to value these things. And so, you know, it it was a recipe for disaster. I mean, we, they were giving out loans and I'm going to tell you how I know this because I got a, I qualified for a loan (laughs) in law school. Yeah. I was renting a house and I remember there were the person, uh, person should not be disclosed they were like you know what you're paying in rent you could pay for as a mortgage like how do i show income they were like don't worry about it yeah (laughs) i mean same deal i was in i was in undergrad yeah and i remember i was going to this church and um one of the i guess like youth pastors at this church was like yeah no you should like definitely buy a house like i you know you need five grand and and like that's it that's literally what all it took yeah and and you can like you know, you should buy this house. Like, you, sh- you should do that. And I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, I I have student loans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm I'm paying for, for school through savings bonds. Like, that's, yeah. that's, I don't, I can't afford a house, like, under no circumstances. But but there are people that were doing it. I did it. So, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the people. I'm people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm people who did it, right? Yeah, man. It, um, it, it was the wild, wild west. It was the wild, wild west. I was in my 20s, you know, and I was like, yeah, you can get a loan. I was like, oh, all right, bet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, what, what is that about? Yeah. I've never thought I was going to own a house at, you know, 24, 25, but yeah. that's where I'm at, you yeah. know? Um, and so it was, it's, it's interesting because again, so Barack Obama wouldn't have been president yeah. because I really do believe that Barack was the benefit again of the Bush presidency and he was the palate cleanser. He ran as a palate cleanser from the Bush administration. His his campaign was called change. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean it. And so, yeah, no, Barack Obama um, definitely would not have um, risen to power because there would not have been. I think that you would have we would have had an establishment Democrat yeah. out the South. Um, and and if you just look at the history of this country, right? Yeah. Where do we elect Democrats from, generally speaking? Like, with the exception of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, President Biden, it's generally in the South, right? Mm. Like, so Barack 
um that that yeah. he's coming out of Jimmy the, Carter, yeah, Gerald Jim, Ford. Well, well well Jimmy Carter is Georgia, but then Lyndon Johnson before him was Texas, right? Yeah, I'm saying Georgia the South. Well, yeah, you, uh, I thought yeah, I thought you yeah. said Gerald Ford. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Ger- Gerald Ford was Michigan. Michigan, yeah. Like, so like, yeah, he, was, uh, like he Jim, didn't get elected. Yeah. He was kind of Yeah. So Jimmy Carter obviously um, Clinton, yeah, out of Arkansas, Arkansas, our Kansas. Yeah, um, you could say Al Gore was elected. I mean, he won the popular vote, but he came out of Tennessee, right? Tennessee, yeah. And um, I mean, Barack Obama obviously came out of Illinois, mm-hmm. but I think that the circ- the the stars had to align perfectly. Mm-hmm. I, if there is no nine eleven, if there is no Katrina, if yeah. there is no um, financial crisis, then yeah. we are not begging. For that, a, that, that a, black, a black man from Chicago, that black man. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I think that you know. I'll go ahead and say I think that the country was ready for a black president. I don't think that we were ready for. We would not have been ready for that black president under those circumstances because he was still, generally speaking, a neophyte to the national political scene. Right. Right. So I don't think which that, made his more appeal because ex- they wanted change. Yes, they wanted change from the. Um, establishment. Yeah, they want to change from you know Al Gore being you know senator, yeah. vice president, yeah, president. You know Colin Powell would have been you know secretary, yeah, secretary, Fort Star general, exactly. Yeah, so um, you know that's he brought and invited that change, and yeah. and because he invited that change, the country got the same so change from his uh, from his yeah from his, his successor. successor. Yeah, exactly. So we wouldn't have so you know where I'm going. So we, we wouldn't have had. A Trump presidency? No, absolutely not. I, I yeah. don't. I don't think. I think um, Donald Trump is the result of Barack Obama's presidency. And 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 I'm not saying that um, that Barack Obama caused um, Donald Trump to be president. But I think that one can make an it, argument. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, one I think, can make an argument. I think that Donald Trump was trafficking in you know ignorance. Ra- yeah, like ignorance and racist tropes. Yeah, um, and that was the and Barack Obama was like easy fodder for that because um, you know he was an educated black man who spent time overseas and had a an a different name, a name that was yeah. not familiar to most Americans. Yeah. Um, and it made him different. It made, it made him, him different. Not only different, it it made him foreign. Foreign, exactly. And um, you know, Donald Trump's whole like mo was familiarity, America first. Like get mm-hmm. back to or make America great again. So mm-hmm. like it's that familiarity. And so I don't think that there is a um, Donald Trump presidency if there is no Barack Obama. Absolutely not. Yeah. And so we don't have a Donald Trump presidency. And then we don't have the COVID response. Yeah, no. Because the way I often say, I said it in my last podcast, um, I believe if Donald Trump would have operated with more leadership, mm-hmm. more character and leadership during COVID, mm-hmm. he would have been reelected. Oh, I think that he would have been reelected, and I think it would have been a landslide. It would have been a landslide. It would have been a landslide. <laughs> yeah, and, and so... It's because of his operation of how we view COVID mm-hmm. that we're still dealing with the ramifications where people have this thing where they're like, they even mat like everything he became, everything became political with Donald right. Trump. Yeah. We politicized every everything. single thing. Everything. 
you know, everything was the mainstream media. Everything mm-hmm. was like, you know, don't believe them. They're, they're trying to trick us. Exactly. And he created this poisonous idea mm-hmm. of how we look at the world and this distrust. Yeah. His characterization has really, I think we're going to be dealing with this for decades. Oh, hands down. His, his characterization of how he viewed the world, it rubbed into everybody. Yeah. Either on either political side is yeah. this inherent distrust of everything. We didn't operate with the distrust with people. No, we. I I I think that we had skepticism. There was there was skepticism for sure, but it wasn't a health. It wasn't a distrust. Right. right. Yeah. It definitely was not this distrust. And and where he we had skepticism, he dug into that. Right. And he trafficked in that skepticism. And yeah. so every bit of skepticism that people might have had. Um, he he just turned that on its head and, and and just emphasized it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean there would I don't think that we would be in the same place um, from a, even just like a COVID response, right? Again, I think that like natural disasters could not could they, they would still happen, right? Absolutely. But I think that we would have res- had some. We okay. Let's say let's say we had um so two two terms of Colin Powell, mm-hmm. right? By that time, maybe we would have had Hillary Clinton. Maybe we would have had Hillary Clinton. Um, yeah, I think that the next, I so I think the next Democrat to have that would be elected would again kind of be in the same ilk mm-hmm. of the the successful Democrats in the past. So it'd mm-hmm. be somebody from the South. So um, you know, you're probably talking about a governor or you mm-hmm. know a, a senator who is um, you know has broad you know, appeal yeah. to, you know, right. most of America. Right. Um, I don't think that you don't think Hillary would have, gone. I don't think so. I, I, and I, and I like Hillary Clinton. Um, I think she's extremely competent, but I don't think that she would have been elected. Um, I don't think that she would have been elected. Okay. I, I, I think that she benefited from the same change that, um, Barack Obama was preaching yeah. and because she was a member of his administration, she got that next step in her political career. But I don't think that I think I, I honestly, I'm, I, I think she would have. Yeah. Here's the reason why we would have had two years of two terms of, of Colin Powell, mm-hmm. um, a competent, you know, res- well-respected yeah. black male figure, mm-hmm. not foreign, Mm-hmm. They, they understand his history. Yeah. Blase, blase, squase. Mm-hmm. I think a reason why America didn't want to, uh, for a lot of reasons, sex, but sexism was a big reason why Hillary wasn't elected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having Colin Powell in office in a weird way would have made it more digestible to have a woman in office to follow him. Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I think that, I think that, it would have been more palatable, but I think the question is who who is, who is that, that woman? woman? Who's right? that the same way like like why Barack Obama would have been the first black president, he would have been so who would have been that first woman to take on that role? Right, exactly. So you know, I think that it could have been it it could be any number of people and and you know, um I'm not sure who it would have been, but I think that the pendulum has to swing, right? Mm-hmm. So after you know, the Clintons were outsiders. I, I would describe them, generally speaking, as being outsiders um, from the Democratic perspective. Right. Um, they became the insiders because of their success. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Clintons appealed to black America in a way that I don't think any previous 
um, Democratic nominee did, you know, um, just in general. Right. Right. So they became insiders. But I think after a um, Al Gore presidency, after four years or eight years of Colin Powell, I think the next candidate would be like a Democratic outsider again. Mm. Um, And it would be that insurgent candidacy. So um, I'm not sure. So why wouldn't it have been a Barack Obama then? I mean, you you don't think maybe then then let a senator at that point, let's just say he would have continued his yeah his career into politics. Mm-hmm. Sure, a black senator out of um, Chicago or yeah. Illinois would have actually, you know, been able to follow. It'd be like, hey, we like this thing. Let's continue yeah. this energy. Yeah, of a person who speaks quote mm-hmm. unquote well and yeah. uh, comes across, mm-hmm. and he would have had more seasoning in the in the Senate. Yeah, you know, and more familiarity. Yeah. I, you know what? I why, think that why wouldn't he be the one to follow Colin? One of the reasons why I don't think that he would is because Barack Obama was so damn cool. Barack Obama did well in crises. That's why we love. That's one of the reasons why we loved him. That's what. That's one of the reasons why America loved him. If there is no, no crises, crises, why would we, we bring, bring him on? Like we don't need. Yeah, we, like yeah, we, we don't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't be looking for a calming, um, thoughtful leader we will be looking for that insurgent candidate that is going to go up there you know shake on the, the shake the trees yeah like he's he's gonna get on jay leno and play the saxophone right like mm-hmm. again that's those are the things that we loved about bill clinton right? right um he appealed in ways that were unconventional um colin powell straight laced you know it doesn't get any more straight laced than colin powell and then um likewise with al gore i think that the next candidate um could have been a woman um you know the the next democratic pan- candidate could have been um you know a a, a woman a, a female a, someone of color i'm not sure you know just thinking through my rolodex of who that person might have been or might be but i just don't see another establishment democrat fitting that and following in the footsteps of a st- a stable um Colin. republican yeah. president like colin powell so it would be a, another insurgent candidate um I mean, Barack Obama, he might have run, but if you if you look at it and I and I love, you know, Barack Obama as much as um, the next, you know, uh, person. But, you know, he rose to power in when I say rose to power, he was elected in that Senate um, campaign, you know, as much by the missteps of his the people that he um, was running against from a democratic perspective yeah. in anything. And then, you know, when it came to the general election, he was running against what Alan keys, something yeah. like that. So yeah. um, in a democratic state. Yeah. So, you know um, yes, he might've been a Senator, but I don't think that he, I don't think that he like went in and just like, I think that people loved Barack Obama for his calming demeanor mm-hmm. and his, his crisis management. But if there aren't those same crises, I don't think that there's a demand for that type of leadership at that time. Mm. So I think that at that point, America loves, you know, electing personalities. And if we, you know, followed up a a Gore presidency with a Colin Powell presidency, a steady hand, a steady hand presidency, right? You know, we're we're. You know, we're looking to to shake it up a little bit. You think so, or we want to continue trajectory? Like, I like where things are going. Let's get this, let's keep this steady hand growing. Uh, I mean, that, that honestly, I I do think so. I mean, I think because yeah. America likes the stability. No, America loves drama. America loves entertainment. 
America, okay, yes, they love entertainment, but we didn't even like entertainment in our politics at the time. We liked, Trump was the first time we, we well, actually, technically, Barack brought entertainment into politics, brought pop culture into yeah. politics, but Trump made po- politics entertaining. True. But before that, yeah, politics weren't this pop culture phenomenon. True. They were just, it was just a realm that people, you know, were involved in if you were, like, quote-unquote, serious. True. And... I think we would have continued that appetite of, you know, having a steadied hand at the will. Sure. Okay. You know? And yeah. so, I mean, I understand your point. Yeah. You know, I don't know who that person might have been. I don't know. And, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to go through, you know, you know, black, you know, congressmen or, or, or female, really. I think, it, I think um, a, a white Female and, and again, I, I think in general, um, I don't believe in identity politics personally, but I think that this country does. And so I, think, I believe in identity po- politics. Do you? Because I, it's it's happened. <laughs> well, no, no. I, when I say like I don't, I don't, I like I don't, I w- I don't vote for somebody because they're black. No, um, I understand what you're yeah. saying, but it's, that's like saying that I don't believe that Buddhism exists. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah no, I, yeah, like, I, I, I may not practice in Buddhism, right? But I know it exists. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, this country absolutely subscribes to identity politics, and so I think that if there was anybody that would follow a um, Colin Powell, it would definitely be like you know a white woman, and it would be a white woman from the South. Um, I think, and. Um, so, yeah. And and she would just just be like some type of outsider. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at if you look at it, even Joe Biden, Joe Biden's kind of a like he's kind of an outsider. Like even though he's been very much in the Democratic what? establishment. All right. Just just follow me here. Just a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit. We're just pontificating. Yeah. Just just this pontificating. whole, this yeah. whole just, episode is about this. Yeah. But what what's like Joe Biden's like creden- what are his credentials and background? Right. He's from Delaware. When's the last time Delaware? elected anybody to the of white house of significance right so so that that's the first thing right so this guy from delaware um who's a senator like actually super centrist um super centrist yeah yeah and um he is also quite boring i would say boring um i think he has i actually think joe biden has like swag but he's not like i don't think that he is he doesn't have that that um, aristocratic um, pedigree that I think a lot of true. stereotypical true. Um, Democrats have, right? Like he's not a moneyed guy, like he's right. a guy from Scranton, right? Right. And um, he he has like a very like modest, um, you know, educational background, yeah. right? Like he was he was a, a lawyer, but I, I don't even re- recall like what school he graduated from, right? And that's important, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like the everyman of you know the democratic party and i think for that reason a lot of people were able to relate to him mm-hmm. um you know obviously he's been in politics for a long time so you naturally do become somewhat of an insider because of that but you know joe biden is still reaching across the aisle yeah still <laughs> still doing it yeah the rest of the the democratic party is like yo like joe like knock it off right and he's still doing it right I think that why does that make him establishment though? I'm still trying to figure out. It it does because the estab he's not going with the establishment. Nancy Pelosi, uh, I, I think, is okay, I is is pursuing what the establishment wants, mm-hmm. right? I think the Speaker of the House naturally has to do that because she governs a 
you know, a broader caucus, right? right. Um, of folks that have to get elected every two years. Mm-hmm. But Joe Biden is literally like, nah, like we're going to do this bipartisan thing if it makes me a one-term president, right? Um, we are going to adhere to the policies of my predecessor, even if it costs me. Mm-hmm. I think that that, like he is bucking the democratic trend. Um, and I'm not saying all this as like a defender of, um, Joe Biden, but I'm just saying that he's he is not the stereotypical, um, in my opinion, Democratic insider. Um, he's doing a lot of things that the Demo- the Democratic Party in general, I don't think, agree with. I understand. OK, so just to kind of, you mm-hmm. know, frame it, it's the space that a majority of Democrats are in right now mm-hmm. are like, fuck them. Let, right. Let's just do our yes. thing. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. And then he's like, no, let's just let's let's try to work and be, um, you know, let's try to come find some commonality here. Yeah. Where there are Democrats be like they didn't give a shit about our commonality. Exactly. For the last four years. Right. You know, hell, with, with the with even during Barack's presidency, they didn't give a shit about commonality. They were just in about otherness. Mm hmm. Um, right. And Joe Biden's trying to do a course correction mm-hmm. in that. Um, so I, I, I guess I understand with that. All right. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Question. Um, we talked about it. Let's say Trump would have got reelected. Yeah. Because he was, he did a phenomenal job with COVID Mm -hmm. and he was responsible (laughs) and he, (laughs) and he was just like, you know what? Everybody, we need to mask up. Right. Right? Yeah. Everybody need to mask up. Everybody, we need, we're going to start, we're not going to treat states even if they're Democratic blue states, we're not going to treat them as other states. We're right. going to treat them as American states, right? Mm-hmm. Everything would have been appropriate. Mm-hmm. During the uh, the um, Trump administration, he released, he did a five, he did, did an agreement with um, the Taliban, mm-hmm. releasing 5,000 um, Taliban warriors, not even involving the Afghanistan government. Mm-hmm. We see what's happening with Biden right now Mm -hmm. and um, with the the whole uh, uh, the bombing in Kabul and the tragedy. And Mm -hmm. it's going to get worse. You know, suicide bombers are going to continue to attack Mm -hmm. um, civilians and and armed uh, service members. Mm -hmm. Would that situation have been different with Trump in office? Because he was he was doing a drawdown anyway. He set the deadline. Yeah, you know what? It, it's funny because the one reason why I think the scenario is a little problematic, and I know it's a what if just in general, but um, if Trump was competent in you know one Anything, thing, yeah. yeah, like it would, there would be so much that would be different, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't I think that I don't think much would be different. Yeah. I think that. Um, in general, Americans are tough graders when it comes to Democrats. Well, let, let me just change that. Um, Democrats are tough <laughs> are tough graders when it comes to Democrats, right? Yeah. Um, we hold Democrats to um, these high standards that we don't hold um, a lot of our uh, Republican um, their Republican counterparts to, and because of that. I think that we're more forgiving when it comes to, um, you know, Republican mismanagement in general. We have very like short memories of Mm -hmm. of of certain things. And so 
I think that the crisis would have still happened. I think that the way that um, the media covers it, mm-hmm. covered it, and I think that our reacts, reaction or response as a country in general would have been a lot more forgiving um, when it comes to, if it came to um, Donald Trump. I mean, I think that Donald Trump's presidency was an unmitigated disaster. Right. And he still got, what, like 70 million votes? Like something yeah. insane, right? Right. Um, he won a lot of states. Yeah. And despite, he won. He, he despite, won. Yeah. He won states by larger margins in 2020 than he did in 2016. Yeah. Right. So Florida being one of them. Yeah, Florida being one of them. Um, and and it's not because there was a worse Democratic candidate. Um, that you know he was running against. Yeah. Um, I I think that Joe Biden was a better candidate than um Hillary Clinton, and I you know I have nothing against Hillary Clinton. I just think Joe Biden was a better candidate. I don't think that's that's even um argument i think she would acknowledge that yeah she was not a good candidate yeah i didn't say she was she wouldn't have been a good president yeah i'm just saying yeah, yeah no she she wasn't as, as good of a, a candidate so i say all that to say um i think that the Af- i'm sorry okay, go, no, 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 yeah I, I was gonna say i think afghanistan still happens i think that we're just more forgiving of it um when it comes to um we would be more forgiving of it when it comes to donald trump um and you know anybody that's you know, a part of his administration. So let me ask you this. Doing the what if, what mm-hmm. if Hillary would have won? So if, if Hillary would have won, um, I think that, you know, I think that we're potentially still in, in Afghanistan, <laughs> you know, jobs not done, you know? Not uh, done. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I think that we're <laughs> Kobe. I, shout out to Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to, um, Bean you know, Bryant. yeah, Kobe, um, jobs not done. And, and I think that, um, Hillary Clinton, has us still in Afghanistan until the terrorist threat is um, eliminated to, you know, the satisfaction of our intelligence community. And so, yeah. uh, There wouldn't have been a drawdown. There would not have been a drawdown. I think that we would have managed the, um, you know, exiting Iraq a lot better. Yeah. Um, But I don't think that there would have been the same type of drawdown. And mind you, like the the military community, even under Barack Obama, um, you know, wanted to take a different strategy you know when you know president obama was talking about you know drawing down troops and and things of that nature and kind of like tipping his hand so you know i think that i think that hillary clinton definitely listens to our generals more and or she would have listened to her to our generals and our military leadership more and i think that we would still be in afghanistan Mm -hmm. fair yeah yeah i um i was i was thinking not only in Afghanistan, but also, mm-hmm. um, obviously, COVID. Yeah, because her our responsiveness, we wouldn't we would have put more money and time and energy into pre- preparation. Yeah, um, we wouldn't have done what uh, at the time in 2016. President Trump was a victim of a lot of dumb shit, but one of it was this austerity. The world governments were, particularly in. Um, in France, yeah, Europe. and in yes, in, in Europe, yeah, Europe yeah. in general, like in France and, and in uh, United Kingdom, mm-hmm. um, Bre- you know, Brexit, yeah, um, was getting into austerity. Austerity uh, was a concept; is a concept of um, relinquishing your 
financial resources to mm-hmm. outside world, outside places, yeah. and focusing internally. Mm-hmm. Also, it means to um, not only drawing in, uh, draw, uh, cutting down your financial obligations, um, but also you know, closing up the borders mm-hmm. uh, ostensibly, mm-hmm. um, and just focusing more insular in your country. Yeah, um, and it it's a result of not being part of a globalist society. Yeah, European nationalism, the right. rise of right, you know, and you know, Donald Trump. He tied. He really identified with that. That's why this whole America First type of thing. Yeah, because like he wanted to bring a sense of austerity to not only economics, mm-hmm. right, but also to our world um, presence, mm-hmm. and you know, trying to you know get out of NATO mm-hmm. despite his generals. Like, let me tell you why you cannot do that. Right. But he still, despite that, he was trying to. You know, he had the summit in Helsinki. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was trying to do everything was he was trying to do mm-hmm. was trying to incorporate um uh austerity. So mm-hmm. this leads into my next what if. Okay. Because we talked about NATO. Mm-hmm. What if America didn't get involved in World War Two? No, what if Great Britain would have defeated the Nazis and, and they didn't need America's help? Okay. So yeah. Man, like that would be so. There's a lot. There's a lot there, right? And right. and I'm, I'm I'm not a historian by any stretch of so the can, imagination. So can I can I lay the foundation? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do, because I was gonna like. Yeah. All right. So what people don't realize that I often believe that America was at that point they were a secondary nation in during mm-hmm. uh, prior to World War Two. Okay. We were, we were involved in World War One, mm-hmm. but we didn't start taking on this. Um, label of being the first world nation mm-hmm. until the aftermath of world war two. Right. What ended up happening was, um, the decimation of Europe mm-hmm. because of the, um, the, the war mm-hmm. and America at the time retrofitting a lot of our factories mm-hmm. into being more, um, into, uh, 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 I guess we were, we were focused on now foreign, Investments right. in different spaces mm-hmm. of the world, and our um, export business mm-hmm. grew exponentially in right. that time. Mm-hmm. Um, we started to um, grow our economy mm-hmm. um, in, in such a great space, mm-hmm. and it's the vacuum of leadership around the world mm-hmm. and America, especially with you know us taking up center stage and mm-hmm. the Geneva Conference and yep. everything, um, mm-hmm. laid the foundation for America being the pre- preeminent world power mm-hmm. at, in the aftermath of World War II. Yeah. Did I lay a proper, lay a proper foundation? Yeah, I, I think you did. Okay. Um, so if the United States never got involved in World War II, um, that means that although it's still a global conflict, mm-hmm. I think it is um, it really becomes limited to, I think, two areas. So you have Europe, um, you know, the fight in Europe. So you you have, I think you still have like Great Britain and France, mm-hmm. you know, to the west. And then you have Europe, uh, Russia to the east, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Russia's actually, I think, fighting a war on two fronts because they're yeah. also fighting um, in Asia as well. Yeah. But um, we'll just kind of leave the Asian conflict aside because obviously you had um, the communists in China, um, the nationalists in China, and um, then you had Japan as well. So Japan was invading China, um, and um, there was a lot of conflicts in, in China, which I think are 
we we don't talk about generally speaking much in American history at all. But that was, I think, like one of the most consequential theaters of war. But um, setting all of that aside, if the United States never got involved in World War Two and Britain and France and Russia were successful in, um, you know, repelling the Nazi um, invasion invasion um, into Eastern Europe and then, you know, then into France, then, you know, I think that the United States continues to be a, a player from a global standpoint, simply by, by virtue of having, um, you know, being on the Atlantic and the Pacific seaboard. Yeah. But, you know, there is no, the United Nations is not in. It's not in the United States. It's, it's not in the United States. It's yeah. probably in London, right? Yeah. Um, or Paris. Um, the World Bank is yeah. probably in London it's or probably, Paris. Probably in London right? or Paris, yeah. Right? And so the IMF, like yeah. all, all, all of those things. Yeah. None of those things happen in the United They're States. They're not in New York City. Yeah. And so um, the, the global financial system is in Europe. Yeah. It's not in the United States. Yeah. And so um, the United States is not at the seat we're not at the table when it comes to consequential global um, outcomes. I think that there still is potentially a. We're not the leader at not at the head of the table at NATO. No, no, there pro- there probably is no NATO. Hmm. There probably is no NATO because, yeah. um, as we're talking about, um, and, and and you know, just getting back to like the black perspective, because like we're not in World War Two. Yeah, I think that. Um, Segregation still happens. Still, still and, continues. And it, it continues beyond the yeah. '60s, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, because I don't think that you have black service members coming back from war, coming back from Europe, and yeah. saying like, "Hey, you know, these white folks in um in Europe treat us great." Well, here's the thing. Slight delineation from that. Yeah. Because in World War One, um, black service members who had received the um, um, coming back from France, in yeah. particular. Um, they saw that how French were, um, were how they treated black soldiers. Right. So it was actually the start after World War One of the black liberation movement in the country. Right. Um, because you had uh, service members, black men, who came back from that as war, quote unquote, war heroes. Mm-hmm. But they weren't treated as such. But they were French world heroes because they had yeah. medals. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we want the same respect. But to your point, though, yeah. I do agree yeah. that... One of the the impetus of World War Two was that how can we, you know, turn up our nose right. at at Nazi Germany, right? And we're operating with a segregation system here, right? But that probably wouldn't have happened had Great Britain eliminated um, uh, Hitler mm-hmm. in nineteen thirty six. I forget what the battle was. Yeah, um, where they had they didn't take their shot, mm-hmm. um, and so. Hitler continued to grow. Yeah. Berlin continued to grow. And then the United States got into war in 1942. Yeah. Yeah. 41, so, 1941. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, we don't have. So uh, the other thing that I'll say is I think that if Britain um, slash Russia win uh, or defeat the Nazis, I also think Britain ain't giving up their empires. Uh, you know, their their no. imperial. Yeah. Imperial, you know, uh, yeah. 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 I, I think it's I think that if anything. Um, there's a rush to, um, be a, a bigger part of the, become a part of the British empire. Right. Yeah. And so, um, 
you know, we're talking about colonies throughout, you know, South Africa and um, all throughout Africa, really. Um, You're talking about colonies in uh, South Asia. You're talking about colonies, um, you know, in, you know, the West Indies, et cetera. Um, Those colonies, I think, remain a part of the British Empire. And so um, the the British, you know, they they're essentially a global power. And and if there is a Cold War as a result of um, the defeat of the Nazis, obviously it's between Britain and um, Russia, Russia. Right. But the question is, who who does the United States side with? Right. right. Um, do we or, or do we just take ourselves out of it? We might have been insular. We might have said that's that's their problem. That's not our problem. Right. Yeah. Um. So, the thing about Russia, though, yeah, is Russia developed the Cold War. The it, Soviet Union um, was a direct result of World War Two, right? Because they felt like they were left out of this. This um, they were left out of the decision making at NATO. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like they saw America was risen up as this beacon of world hope, right? And Russians actually have what a lot of people don't realize. They had sacrificed sacrificed more bodies yeah. to the World War II mm-hmm. than any other nation combined, and it wasn't even close. It yeah. wasn't even close. Yeah, more Russians died um, in World War II. Yeah, you know, <laughs> civilians and yeah. you know, service members, etc., than any other country, and it's not even close. I mean, the Nazis absolutely, yeah, destroyed Russia. Yeah, Saint Petersburg. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so. Um, Russia felt like they were left out in the cold. Yeah. And at that point, it changed. It did, the Bolshevik Revolution yeah. started happening and everything happened. And so then the Russians felt like, you know, we want to. They didn't trust the government. The Russian, mm-hmm. Russian um, people didn't trust the Russian government for putting us in this place of being, you know, not showing leadership. And it just, it, it changed everything. There was, um, Russian oligarchy was dismantled and mm-hmm. um, all this other stuff. So a lot of things would have changed. And then if that's, that's the case, if let's say there wouldn't have been a cold war, it wouldn't have been, um, you know, a communism. Well, no, no, no. I, I think that, so Stalin, Stalin remains in power. I think Stalin would, would have remained in power. And I think that he would have had his satellites throughout the rest of the world as well. Mm. I think that there still is a cold war. And, you know, again, this is a, a, um, this is a conflict between, you know, communism and then, you know, more of a um, capitalist approach to uh, alignment of society. Right. And so I think that there are still you still have conflicts. And again, if you pivot to Asia, I think that there is still a Korean War. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that the Brits are fighting it. It's not, it's not the U.S. Korea. It's not the. No, no. I think, you know, the Korean War, um, again, was kind of a a result of what was going on with China and Japan and, and, and that entire, um, that conflict, right. Um, when the Japanese were, you know, expelled from China, um, and, and then you got the Chinese nationalists and the communists fighting each other, et cetera. Um, you had this peninsula over there in Asia where you had the North Korean commute communist party, um, trying to establish a government and trying to establish Korea as a country. Um, and then you have this capitalist, group, this nationalist group that was um, trying to do the same thing, but from a capitalist perspective. So I think that you, the Cold War still happens. I just don't think that it 
um, the United States is involved um, or we have to pick, you know, we're asked to pick a side. And being that, you know, we're a capitalist country, I think that we ultimately do ally with. We're probably aligned with Soviet Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. So, yeah. So we, we ally with Western Europe. But at the same time, I mean, we don't have that same foothold. And so we're not at the table. I mean, the question is, um, is there. Is there a United Nations? Like, is, is there... There would be no need for a United Nations. You know? Yeah. United Nations came in part of, after the dust of World War II. Right. Yeah. And, um, well, I, I think that I think that ultimately there would be a United Nations, but I just don't think that um, it's, it's just set up the same way, right? Yeah. I don't think that, you know, the United States develops the atomic bomb, right? Because, like, if we're talking about, like, what... Mm. what What's really consequential from right. World War II? United States doesn't develop the atomic bomb. Right. What if all well, those scientists stayed in Germany? Well, or it, they would have went to to Britain. Exactly. So yeah. what if those what if those German, um, you know, those brilliant German minds, you know, they just go over to um, Britain to the UK. Yeah. And you know, Albert Einstein is not a is not a U.S. just become a U.S. citizen. Right. So you know, now the atomic bomb is now developed in. Um, in Britain and yeah. you know what better country to you know really you know propagate you know a a you know this global control than a country that has satellites all over all over the globe right yeah um in India in the Middle East and in Africa and they've been dealing in imperialism for thousands of years thousands of years right so Britain now um you know develops the atomic bomb yeah. and you know hell they they might even deploy it in Europe. I don't know. Um, right. But let's say they develop it. The United Nations, I mean, not the United, the United States is not even on the UN Security Council, right? Mm. So now we are we are truly yeah. in, in the back seat when it comes to global decisions. Yeah. And so we're talking about a totally, a totally different country. Um, I mean, I, I wonder if we are more of a South Africa, like the way that South Africa, um, mm. you know, dealt with apartheid, um, yeah than anything else right mm -hmm. like apartheid ended in south africa in like the 90s yeah <laughs> you know um i think that you know the united states could potentially just be shaking off um the apartheid the segregation um that we dealt with into the 80s and 90s i okay. think that it could potentially take that long for us to do that if um Actually, we, we agree, never. I, I agree with you. Yeah. So, but what if segregation didn't end in the sixties, seventies, and eighties? What does that look like for Black America? What does that look like for communities? What does it do, yeah. do? Do we see the influx of you know homogenization of Black culture, or does it still is it is it still very specific to you know us? Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, gentrification or all that? Mm -hmm. Like what what do you see from that? Yeah. So I think that if segregation continued through the 60s you know what i think that one of the dope things about like black american culture is that you know it's this gumbo of just blues and anger and love and passion and and hate and and this confluence of all these emotions right it's rich like, and poor right yeah. it, it's it's and, a it's, it's a and battle of low class and, and class just about a class yeah involved. yeah yeah i mean it's the double consciousness i mean it's you know, Du Bois talked about it a lot when he, you know, or he he spoke about it well when he was talking about like, you know, we're trying to both figure out how we are Americans, mm -hmm. and 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 we have to figure out if we 
whether to love this country or not, right? Yeah. And where where we fit. And so I say all that to say, I think black culture continues um, to be the defining culture in the United States. Yeah. I think it does, even if there is, if segregation continues. If anything, it becomes or continues to be like very pungent. So like in the 60s, you had, you had like soul, the emergence of soul music, right? And you had a lot of protest music. Um, and you had all of these artists you know, really fighting the system. I think that that happens. We were beating that drum. And I think that that continues through the seventies and eighties. I think that you have like the black Panthers. Um, they hip-hop, have hip hop. It would be different. It would be different, but it would still exist. It would right? st- definitely still exist. Yeah. I think that you would have um, like groups like the black Panthers, for instance, um, um, SELC and, and SNCC and all that, those other stuff. Um, I said, SCL, I don't know what the SNCC. Yeah. Um, but um, I think all of those groups exist and probably become more powerful. I think that. And he's referring to the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, and so I think that all of those groups still exist. And I think they actually become more powerful because one of the ways that um, I think the United States government and the FBI try to erode um the the power of those organizations is by actually giving you know saying like hey you know here's this policy that supports the black community so you know we really don't need the black panthers because um look we've created this policy um to support black communities so if there's continued segregation i don't think that um i think that those organizations like um um, the Panthers, et cetera. I think you have more black militant organizations. Um, and I think that they probably become more powerful because they have, um, they have a, an enemy Mm -hmm. in the United States government Mm -hmm. and, and a more tangible, um, enemy. So, and black communities in general though would have been, because again, one of the things that we saw in segregation is that black communities, Let's say people like ourselves, right? Yeah. Lawyers. Yeah. A lot of lawyers stayed within certain communities. Mm-hmm. Black communities probably would have still, based on segregation, you know, would have continued to probably been more um, prominent in different cities. Ah, man, it, you know what? I think it would you just You know what be, I'm talking about, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that there would be more, a, a greater concentration of wealth within the within black neighborhoods and communities yeah um black businesses and whatnot etc but that would be out of necessity yeah more than anything else right Mm -hmm. and so i think that there's an like there's a a fairly clear argument that uh, when segregation ended there was an exodus of you know black uh wealth um from black community and and going into suburbia right like we literally integrated um and diluted our community so we a lot of folks that could and were who were upwardly mobile left black communities and then moved into you know you know white communities communities that were more mixed etc and so the argument is that um that has been bad in general for black communities and i think that that would be it's that's a fair commentary right i Mm -hmm. think that it's true that um black communities have suffered because there has been a general exodus of um, black businesses and black capital, et cetera. Um, But I think that that, that would, 
that was a natural result of um, desegregation. So, and I don't, I don't want to sit there and say that segregation was great for Black America. Yeah, no, it was, it was obviously horrible. It's terrible, right? Yeah. Um, but there is an argument to that point, place of like, um, Black America. What I think actually happened is once we got rid of segregation, then Black America literally became. Um, um, we stopped being a monolith in our objective. Right. Because we didn't have a commonality in, 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 in oppression. Right. Now you had people who were like, well, I'm not segregated because I live in, I, my, I, my house is in a place. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm working a certain job. I have a certain title. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a community that, you know, I'm not being forced to live in. Redlinings, right. I have blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, my issues are not the same as somebody who's, you know, living 10 miles in another direction right. in a neighborhood that is feeling this societal oppression right. uh, based on class and poverty, mm-hmm. right? And so there's this divergence of views, and you have, now you hear, like, you know, black people are not a modern, we, mm-hmm. and we're not. Yeah. Very true. But there is, I think, seg- eliminating segregation allowed the splinter effect of mm-hmm. viewpoints, yeah. even to the point where it affected even the black church. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's, I think that that was a natural, natural result of mm. desegregation and, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? Um, we did a different type of podcast, man. And like, we, <laughs> let me just, let me just ask you one more. Like, yeah, yeah. what, what if Malcolm X and Martin Luther King weren't assassinated? Like that, that, you know, what would happen um, to the freedom struggle? I mean, everything else, like, you know, is is as it was, but Malcolm X is not um, assassinated. El-Hajj Malik Shabazz is not assassinated in 63. Mal- uh, Martin Luther King is not assassinated in 1968. I think, obviously, they, I think they would have continued, they would have worked together. Okay, you do? I do, absolutely. I think okay. they were moving closely aligned. Okay. Another. Um Honestly, I believe Malcolm X would have become the more beloved figure. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Uh, because by the time Martin Luther King's death, he was not liked clearly by white America, certain parts of white America. Mm-hmm. And in, in certain parts of black America, he was, you know, not as he was getting you know, like, oh, you know, not as beloved. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, there was a poll that said, you know, um, America was kind of like getting tired of Dr. King. He was mm-hmm. becoming, you know, just his rhetoric. rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And during the, the closing moments of his life, you know, he was on his road of trying to um, really walk us away from capitalism. Yeah. You know, and I think at some point that would have not been uh, as appealable to mm-hmm. certain America, just certain Americans. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, they were, they were going to get ready to pin this communist label. They already had, mm-hmm. they were going to pin a communist label on him. Yeah. And um, I just don't think he would have been as beloved as he obviously as he is now. His yeah. his his death became, you know, propped it up his legacy in such a way mm. that you had white Americans, you know, sitting there and say, oh, well, I've always loved MLK. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's not the case. Yeah. He was a hated man in 1968. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, because um, you wouldn't be if you were so beloved, you wouldn't have been assassinated. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, well, I mean, know, he, he wasn't know, assassinated, you know, by mob violence. He was, no, he was assassinated by by those in government who wanted to see him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it, it's be that as it may. Yeah. A, a a beloved person figure. Yeah. And by all accounts, would not have been would not be assassinated. Yeah. You know, and so as controversial as that may sound. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I if I totally agree with that because, you know, Gandhi was assassinated. Um, you know, there there are a lot of people that, you know, throughout history who were assassinated. He was assassinated because he was he was a because of what he represented to black America. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. And I'm not what I'm saying is that um he wasn't as he I just I don't see his trajectory of him being beloved was not would not have been the same. Yeah. You know, I, I, I could see that. Like, I, I could definitely see Malcolm X being more of a globalist, pan-African exactly. um, figure who is, you know, more beloved within the black community mm-hmm. than, um, uh, you know, Dr. King. Not saying, and I don't want to do comparison, like saying sure. beloved. I'm talking about this globalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A globalist pan-Africanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Because I think that was that was the approach that Malcolm X took um, right. from the beginning. Yeah. And he, I think, more than Dr. King saw himself as a global citizen yeah. than, um, than... An American freedom fighter. Right. Right. So yeah. um, I don't think that Malcolm X took the perspective... He didn't look at himself as an American um, at, with pride, right? He, mm-hmm. I'm a black man who just happens to live in this particular country, mm-hmm. and so um, it would be it would be really interesting to just kind of think about that. And I got to peel back that, like, what would our world look like, you know, with MLK still alive, and um, you know, Malcolm. I I, I just I wonder. And I don't want people to listen to this and be like, oh, I'm hating on my frat brother. I love <laughs> I love him, okay? I think, uh, but I, would there have been holiday? Obviously not, but they martyred, martyred him, right? Yeah. He became a martyr of the civil, civil rights movement. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there wouldn't be holidays and, um, you know, discounts on MLK Day. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be all this, yeah. right? It'd just be, he'd be a figure. He would still be loved in mm-hmm. pockets of our world, mm-hmm. but- Around the world, he now he's beloved. Yeah, that I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, and that's not. I don't think that would have been the case. So yeah. Um, I just this is a fun podcast. Yeah, no, it was, it you was know? interesting. So you know, we'll. Um, I'm gonna let you give a your closing thoughts on like what if. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, we covered a lot, but we did. <laughs> you know, I think that. You know, when it comes to you know, the, the trajectory of history. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a lot of, you know, really consequential things that have happened, um, you know, in let's just say the last 20 years. And so for that reason, it's really important for us to, to learn from our history, um, you know, read as much as possible. Um, and, and when I say read, I mean like books, not YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just just try to educate ourselves as best as we can so that, you know, we can potentially avoid some of the pitfalls that, you know, we've we've had in, you know, over the last several years. And so, um, you know, it, this was this was fun. And just hopefully, you know, we can continue on a, a positive trajectory for our community. But it, it takes involvement and engagement. So 
yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, you know, um, I, what I would say is, man, I'm clearly a history buff. I love history. And um, one of the things I find fascinating about history is the uh, the shifts in one moment can give a ripple effect to everything around it. Um, and it's 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 fascinating for me when I look at things and I'm like, man, if that would have happened, maybe this would have not happened. And we, I, we delved a little bit into that in this discussion. But it just shows you how history is so it's so uh, um, it's so linear, but it's it's tenuous based on our decisions and based on our actions and the things we do in our life, the things we do in our social scape um, affect everything down the line. And we sometimes we forget about that. We forget about how we're so tied into the mo- uh, into this sequence of time. We're so t- we forget about how we're so tied into um, just the world around us based on our actions and, you know. Oftentimes, it's, you know, our actions that collide with um, history. And when that collision happens, um, it can be very beautiful. It can be very um, disconcerting. It can turn into something, you know, depending on if you're the benefit of it, it can turn into a beautiful disaster, right? And it could, in the case of Barack Obama, you know, he, his, uh, his life could, could turn for the better, because of the beautiful disaster that was the Bush presidency. Yeah. And, you know, we look at things like that. We have to look at how things um, are all interloped inter, um, into our society. So um, thank you guys for listening to this podcast, man. And I really do appreciate it. We did a different type of podcast, um, you know, just this time around. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. But keeping with the theme of um a collision of our life and a collision of our decisions and turn into a beautiful disaster. We're going to play another ethereal type of group that I love to listen to. And I'm hoping I'm going to put you guys on it's um, earth gang. So check it out. Frustrated, have to let it.